Amen? Summer's finally here? Maybe? <laughs> he creates all seasons. Some we like better than others. Uh, yeah. It's been summer at least for a day or two, so we'll see if we uh, are able to sneak with it for much longer. Well, I'm excited this morning. I have the opportunity to bring the Word of God to you. Uh, Pastor Tim and Lisa give their hellos. They're on vacation, uh, relaxing and enjoying uh, the summertime. So uh, this morning, like I said, I'm, I'm excited to share a word with you on endurance. I believe that God has called us to a life of endurance, a life of sharing endurance with those around us, and we have an opportunity to live a life such as that. So we're going to work through this together. We're looking at James uh, chapter 1, and what I'd like to do is if you've got a Bible, if you've got a phone, if you want to read this with me, you're more than welcome to. I want to read through the first verses of chapter 1 so that we can kind of all be on the same page before we get started uh, in today's texts. So we're going to read James 1, and we'll read uh, at least through verse 8. We'll see if we get any farther today. James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let your steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways." Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, that it's living and breathing. Lord, your word causes us to be reminded of who you are. Lord, it helps us to recognize your attributes and to realize who you've called us to be. Lord, we thank you that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so this morning as we walk through your word, Lord, would you give us the capacity to understand it? Lord, we ask for wisdom to understand it this morning. Holy Spirit, that you would draw us close to you and close to your precepts in reading your word, hearing your word, and putting it into practice. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, James is what's considered to be one of the first written books of the New Testament. Now, it's not chronologically in order in our Bibles, but, but in the age of which James was written, it's proclaimed to be one of the first written letters. And there are a lot of skepticism as to who wrote the book of James. But if we take it on its face value by its name being James, then we recognize that it was written by a guy named James. And most likely that guy named James was the brother of Jesus. And the brother of Jesus, this James was not so much of a fan of calling Jesus Lord during Jesus' earthly time here on earth 
while he was being raised by the same mother and father as James. Uh, in fact, James really is pronounced to be kind of a hand, uh, a hand breath off from the Lord during his time of ministry here on the earth, especially for his three years of ministry before his death, burial, and resurrection. It wasn't until after his resurrection and his, and his coming to James and to the rest of the disciples and to his family that James really took on the reality of who Christ was as Lord and Savior. And so we recognize in the first verse here that while, when James starts off by saying that James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, proclaims himself to not only be a servant to God, which was a good Jewish thing to do, uh, but also to recognize that his brother, who had been crucified, was dead, was buried, was resurrected again, was in fact the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, come to save the Jewish people. And so in recognizing that, as James the brother does here, he gives himself the standpoint to say to the children of Israel and to the Jewish people, this is your Messiah, this is the Lord, this is the Son of God, this is whom we place our trust in. He points to the 12 tribes in the dispersion as he gives his greetings. Now I want you to recognize that he doesn't say, hey Christians, listen to what I have to say here. In fact, he's talking specifically to the Jewish believers. And the reason that a lot of scholars would say that this was written before uh, many of the other books of the New Testament were is because he doesn't clarify anything to the Gentiles. He is specifically speaking to the Jewish believers in this particular letter. However, we know that all scripture can be good for us. And we are reading it in a way to recognize that it is a place and point in our lives that as Christians, we can use this to be impacted by what it has to say and to live a righteous life. So let's continue to dig into the text here. In verse 1, when James says these things, he recognizes his audience is the Jewish believers. Uh, they were familiar with the rules and the laws and the precepts that were before them as part of the first five books of the Bible, as part of what Moses had written. And so they, were, they, they had lived good Jewish lives, if you will. They had lived a good life according to what the scripture says. They were following it in a way that was to dot, to dot every I and to cross every T. They were living in a life that said, these are the rules, these are the laws, these are the Ten Commandments, don't break them, and it will be well with you. And James proclaims that not to do away with the law, but, all, but to come alongside of it in a way as a representation of what Christ has fulfilled in the law. We read and we recognize as Christians of today that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. He said, I didn't come to destroy the law, but I came to fulfill the law. And so it's in Jesus that we have a recognition of our salvation, knowing that we can never sustain what the law says in itself, but we come under the authority and the benefit of Christ as our head. The Jewish people recognized that there was a Messiah coming, but they did not think it was Jesus. In this case, James says, no, it is Jesus. He is the one that we are to be following. It should be noted uh, that although James writes to the Jewish people, to the folks that knew the, five, the first five books of the Bible, um, that he was writing in a way to let this go far and wide, this letter. 
In fact, he wrote it in a language that was Greek, but more importantly, he wrote it in a Greek language that was knowledgeable to mostly everybody uh, in the area of ministry that the letter went to. And so it was easily translated or shared with those it came into contact with. Let's continue on. Uh, verse 2, it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, when I think about a trial, I don't think of joy. Um, I've had the privilege of being in a courtroom twice. Uh, once was when I was a young man, and uh, there was a, a family situation that was going on. Um, with an extended family member, and uh, there was no joy in that courtroom, I'll tell you that much, at all. The second time I was in a courtroom uh, was because I failed to stop at a stop sign, and uh, I didn't find any joy in the fees that I had to pay um, after my court appearance. Uh, but unless, unless in some oddity you're in a trial where there's a judge like the guy on YouTube or Facebook that just seems to kind of laugh at everybody and give people freebies um, by, by not having them pay their, uh, their stop sign passages or things like that or parking in the wrong spots, then we recognize that trials very rarely uh, are met with happiness. But we need to recognize that the word joy here is not really happiness. It doesn't mean that we need to smile it doesn't mean, it's not proclaiming that, but the word joy in the, in the Greek is actually a word called charan, C-H-A-R-A-N. And this same type of joy is found in Galatians 5.22. In Galatians 5.22, we talk about the fruit of the Spirit. We understand that the fruit of the Spirit is something that really isn't, if you will, part of human nature. The fruit of the Spirit is something that's produced within us, that comes out of us, as the Spirit allows it, as we work alongside of the Spirit of God, allowing those things to be produced. So love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. It's not that those things are just natural to us as human beings, but it's something that the, the, the Spirit allows us to grow and mature within us, and then it can be produced. So when James talks about the joy in the trial, he's referring to the fact that there is something that's going to come out of you or be a part of you that's going to allow you to have this joy during this tribulation or this trial in your life. There's a wide variety of trials that we run into, isn't there? A wide variety. It's, it's interesting because trials change depending on where we're at in our life. I'll tell you, when I was a kid, uh, my biggest trial was whether I could sneak candy out of the candy drawer without my grandparents knowing about it, okay? Now, when I was a teenager, I had some trials maybe that I may not even want to share with you. Maybe you had some trials when you were a teenager you wouldn't want to share with anybody. And in my 20s, you know, I, I, I dealt with other trials and other situations that uh, I would come up against. Maybe it was trying to keep my, uh, my, my junker of a car running or not. Um, maybe it was trying to live a life that was righteous with my friends. In my 30s, I've had other trials. I have a five-year-old. That can be a trial sometimes. And so to find joy in that trial is something that doesn't come naturally to us, but we have the ability to allow for it to take place through the Holy Spirit, through the leading of the Holy Spirit. 
John 16.33 says this. Jesus says that while we are on the earth, there will be trouble. While we are on the earth, there will be trouble. Now, as Christians, a lot of us like to shut the door on trouble and hide it in our prayer closet, which isn't a bad place to be, but we like to consider the fact that there, we, we can walk anywhere and, and there, there won't be any trouble around us. I want you to recognize that Jesus doesn't, he doesn't say there won't be trouble, but he says this, he says, but we can take courage as he has overcome the world. Now, that doesn't mean, I want you to hear this this morning, that doesn't mean that everywhere you go, all of a sudden, there's just not going to be any trials. There's not going to be any trouble. There's not going to be any situation. Any Christian that has been in a war zone, any Christian that's been through uh, the, the toils and terrors of divorce, any Christian that's been through a situation that has just rocked your family, you can't tell me that, that it was just perfect on the by and by while you were in that situation. There's a reality that there's going to be trouble in our lives as long as we're in the earth. There will be things, there will be outside forces that will come against us. The enemy will try and come against us. We are glad that we have someone that stands before the Lord. Our, our high priest is Jesus Christ to proclaim for us the righteousness that we have in him. But the reality is, is that as Christians, we will run into these trials, into these situations, and we have to have the courage to face them. We have to have the joy in our life to face them. And we have to build that joy. We have to build that endurance in our lives, in our faith, in order to move forward in what God has called us to do. There are a lot of trials like we had talked about. They may be physical. They may be emotional. They may be family. They may be spiritual. They may be financial. They may be a whole list of other things. The reality is, is that the joy that we can find in those trials is the same joy. It doesn't change. Jesus didn't say, and the Bible doesn't say, that when you're, when you're in this situation, you should find this type of joy. When you're in that situation, you should find that type of joy. There is a joy that sustains, that's beyond what the different trials that come up in our lives has for us or takes us to. Why do we have to have joy in these trials? What is the purpose of joy? What even is the joy that we can have? The next verse says this. Follow along with me. Verse 4. And let's, I'm sorry, verse 3. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Faith needs to be tested. Why do we have joy in our trials and tribulations? Because we recognize that we have a faith in Christ. That's the step one marker point today is that if you have a faith in Christ, we can have joy in whatever trial or situation we're a part of. We recognize that Christ has gone through the same trials that we have. Oh, the Bible's real clear on that. In every way, he was tempted in every way as man. So if we have the same spirit living within us that lived within Christ, that gives us the ability to have the joy in the trial and to move forward into it in a recognition that we need to produce some steadfastness or some endurance in our faith walk. That's another word for steadfastness this morning is endurance. 
See, faith needs to be tested because testing is the only way that you can confirm whether something is really strong or if it's weak. When there's something at my house that gets broken, I'm the guy that's got to try and fix it. Or I call somebody to fix it. But first I try and fix it, right? So when I fix something, I, I'll, I'll fix it and then I'll try and maneuver it around to test its strength. So Christmas time comes, got a nice candlestick, beautiful candlestick. It lights up on its own. It, you know, it, it moves around. It's great, cool candlestick, battery operated and everything. Well, this year, fell off the counter, broken half. So I get out the Gorilla Glue. So the Gorilla Glue comes out, and I put it on there, and you got to let it sit for a little while. So I let it sit, and I, I'm down in my basement, and I go do some other stuff, and I come back. And, and I have to make sure that if this thing was to fall again, that it's not going to break. So i got to test its strength. I have to make sure that it's actually fixed. So I pick it up, and, and I'm moving it around, making sure that it's not broken, and it broke off. Well, obviously I didn't put enough glue on it, or the glue doesn't want to hold. But the only way I would have known that is to test its strength. And so our lives as Christians is that we are purported, according to the Word of God, to go from glory to glory. Now a lot of people want to just hang out on the clouds and the mountaintops and things of that nature. The only way to get from glory to glory is to go through what's called the trial first, to get to the glory end. So if we're going to go through the trial and we get to the glory end and, and God says, okay, I've got the next trial ready for you. I've got the next thing in store for you. But I've got to test your strength first. I've got to test your mettle. I've got to test to see if you have the endurance to make it through to this next thing I've called you to. We all have a plan and a purpose in our life. The question is whether or not we are willing and have a desire to step into the testing of it. Testing or the putting to the test can help us recognize the areas of life we need to realign to the Word of God. Think of it this way. When Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego were getting ready to be put into the fiery furnace, they knew what God had said. They knew the purpose of God. They knew who God was. But until they actually stood in that fiery furnace... They didn't meet Jesus. They didn't know truly him intimately. But when that fire was turned up in that fiery furnace, there was a fourth person that showed up in there, wasn't there? And in your life, when you're in a trial, when you're in a situation, when you feel like you've reached the end of your rope and you're pushing through with all the joy and all the tenacity and all the endurance you have, who shows up on the scene? Jesus does. Why? Because we can't take the credit. Nor should we. Oh, God gives us wisdom. God gives us perseverance. God, God pours those things into us. That fruit of the Spirit comes out of us. Why? To be a representative for Him, for His glory, for His kingdom. When we need to build up muscle, we've got to do something about it. When we want to build up our faith, we've got to do something about it. When we want to produce something in our lives, there's a process that has to take place. There's a Greek word that's used for steadfastness or endurance, and it's called hupomone, not spumone, hupomone, okay? Don't think of ice cream this morning. But there's a definition for that word, and the definition is it's a remaining behind 
or a patient enduring. A remaining behind or a patient enduring. Now, I had a chance about a year ago to talk to a physical trainer. Um, not because I was, uh, you know, looking to do any more exercise, because I wasn't, but I just so happened to have lunch with somebody, and they were a physical trainer, and so I asked them a bunch of questions about physical training. Um, if you're like me, I go to the gym, and I try and do a workout, but, I, you know, it doesn't always go the way I want it to. Uh, I'd like it to go, but sometimes it doesn't. But I asked a physical trainer, if I wanted to build muscle, what would I do? What are the exercises I can do? And the physical trainer asked me a bunch of questions. Of those questions, they said, well, what kind of muscle do you want to build? What type of activities do you do? What's your end goal? I mean, they, and it was like a 20-minute question and answer period. And I'm like, I just asked you one question. But, the, but the, the, the ending for the physical trainer was, I need to know where you want to go before we start with the conversation. And I, and I found out why. It's because in exercise, there's different ways to exercise to produce different results. And she, she told me about two specific different weight training regimens. The first one was something called the HIT, the HIT, the high intensity interval training. This type of training shreds body fat. I mean, you know, it's like the guys on TV were like, come on, let's go. You know, and they, they like go at it for like a minute, just like, you know, running hard. And then they're like, okay, take a five second breather. All right, let's go again. And I immediately told her, that's not the type of exercise I'm looking to do. Uh, but uh, that type of exercise, it, it burns fat and it creates muscle that is very visible right away. Because it gets rid of all that fat and all that stuff, other stuff, and, and just kind of exposes the, the muscle to the surface. Then there was another type of training called the strength training exercises, or STE, STEs. And this type of training creates lean muscle and mass and provides the body with long-term endurance. So what you see is a lot of people that do the STEs are marathon runners, football players, basketball players, you know, anybody that's into sports or, or those types of activities where you need a long-term endurance for your body to continue. Now, the interesting part to me was is that both of these exercises, they produce a type of muscle, but only one of them produces endurance and muscle that will last even after you stop working out with that same regimen. And that was the STE, this, this uh, strength training exercise. So the first type of exercise, that high-intensity interval training, where things are just coming and coming and coming and coming, and you're just working out, working out, working out, working out, working out, it produces a very visible muscle, but that muscle goes away as soon as you stop working out like that. Whereas the other way, which was the strength training exercise that, that, that was a little bit more in, intense, if you will, in regards to planning and preparing and just a process of going through, kind of trotting along and doing these exercises on a continued basis, it produced a muscle that then would stay with you when you needed it, when the times came tough and you couldn't get to the gym or you couldn't do the exercise. It was an enduring, it was a staying muscle. And I thought that's so true in our lives as Christians. We need a muscle, we need a faith muscle that is steadfast. We need a faith muscle that has endurance 
for the time, for the trials, for the situations. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance or endurance or a continuing the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. We need endurance. We need a reality of the steadfastness in our lives of our faith. And there's no way we're going to be able to get it unless we go through something that produces that in our lives. And that is what these trials do. Verse 4 says, And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Lacking nothing. Now that's a strong word from the Bible to say that if we allow steadfastness to have its full effect on us, that we will be perfect and complete. I thought Jesus was enough. That's what the song says, right? I thought the Holy Spirit was enough. There's a reality in our Christian walk that just having the knowledge and the, and the reality of who Jesus is in our heart and confessing it with our mouth, oh, that's enough for salvation. But our, our, our life as Christians don't stop at salvation. He's got a plan and a purpose for each one of us, and we've got to keep moving on the track before we get to the end of the race to figure out what else he's got in store for us. And the way for us to do that is through a recognition of this steadfastness that happens in our life. We as a modern American society love things when? Now. Right now. If something breaks in my house and I can't fix it with glue, I can go to the store. I can go buy a new one, can't I? I can call Amazon or go on my phone and in two days, two days shipping from Amazon, it'll be here. We completely have forgotten the, the fact that there's a production value to things. Some of you work in, in an area uh, of life where you do deal with a production line. Um, we're in the automotive capital of the world, right? And so there's production that happens here of vehicles. But for most of us, we don't recognize that on a day-to-day -day basis. We don't, most of us don't, uh, you know, grow our own food. Um, you know, a lot of us, including me, don't make our own meals. Uh, you know, so when we talk about producing something, man, it, it really harkens us back to thinking, okay, what does that mean? How does that happen? What are the processes for that? All of us can remember science class in, in elementary school, and we start with that little seed in that little paper cup, and then it grows, and every day you're looking at it until, poof, it pops through the soil. And, and that takes like a month and a half before you see anything. And the teacher's like, don't worry, it'll happen. Just keep watering it. And you put it next to the window, and there's, there's a little sun on it. It takes so long as, as you're a kid, and finally it pops out. And you're like, oh my gosh, something's going on. As Christians, how, how often do we get, we, we, we're halfway through the trial, the situation, the, the issue, whatever it is, and we just throw it in and say, God, I'm done. I don't want any more to do with it. I can't handle it anymore. I'm not going to seek you anymore for it. I'll just move in another direction. Forget whatever I was working on. God says, no, that's not what I was looking for. What I was looking for was that endurance. You're about ready to see the fruit come out of that trial. You're about ready to get to the, to, to the end where the glory is. You're about to have an expectation of who I am so that you can share that with somebody else in your life. 
The word perfect in this particular scripture is a consummated goal. Listen, it's a fulfilled process. There's a, there's a perfection in the process. There's a perfection in the process. You have to go through a process in order to be perfected. I heard it said uh, this past week by an engineer that we're only one step away from perfection in the, in, in, while they were working. They said that, that was a term they always used to use. They're only one step away from perfection. But every day they would make changes to that plan that they had because they needed to keep moving towards what they had, what their goal was. So it is in our lives. We need to keep moving towards the goals that God has for us. The seasons that we're in don't mean that it's going to be the season that we're in forever. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. The season you're in now is not the season you're going to be in forever. You need to recognize that, that God has a, a, a moving forward in this season of your life, in this time of your life, for you to have a testimony of him. If we want to be perfect and complete, we need to go through that process of refinement. We need to go through that process of, of refinement. Um, I don't know if you've ever uh, had scrap gold sitting around or scrap silver and um, you, know, you, you took it up to the, the pawn shop or anything like that, but that's something I've done before and took it in there and, and it was just a bunch of scrap and, and uh, part, of, part of the process for that was for them to see if it's real or not is they have to take it and, and they literally have to cut it and use a chemical to make sure it's real. Now, if it's real, nothing will, nothing will happen to it. But if it's fake, guess what happens? Poof, it's gone. Literally, it'll just melt, and you'll be left with nothing. And so what you bring to the, the pawn shop or the scrap gold place, you better make sure that it's real or you don't want it because it will be gone away. In our lives as Christians, we're put to the test sometimes to see if we're real or not. Are we really going to be focused on the Lord and allow the Lord to be our backstop or our, if you will, to go before us? Or are we going to be focused on our own talents, our own giftings, our own purposes, our own regard, our own, hey, look, look at who I am type thing, and, and be focused on ourselves and will we melt under that pressure of that trial? That is one of the reasons that as Christians, we need to have joy in the trial. We need to have endurance to move forward from it. Once we're through that refinement process or in that refinement process and we, we get a chance to experience the joy that comes at the end of that trial, we have a great testimony to share. And James walks from this particular mindset to another mindset where he wants to talk to people about wisdom. So let's move in that direction for a moment as we look at verse 5. It says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. So step one, James says, if you lack wisdom, ask of God. Sometimes we're in a trial and we need some wisdom, don't we? We need some direction, some understanding. Let them ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach. Now that's an interesting word there that the Bible uses, without reproach. Uh, reproach, if you will, is the word that uh, you, you think about in regards to coming to God. When we come to God and we're full of sin, we're reproachful. We, 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 are, we are in a place where we need to um, you know, go to the Lord and really confess our sins. 
so that we can be made whole in his sight. Well, Christ is our propitiation for our sins, so we have righteousness in him. So whether we, have, we, are, whether we fall into a, a sin and we're moving ourselves away from it, God sees Christ upon us. That's in regards to salvation. What we're talking about here is specifically wisdom. This doesn't have to do with specific salvation. But I want to point out that this particular verse says, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Do you ever run into people in your lives that aren't believers, but yet they have some type of a, a wisdom about them, and they, they admit that there's a God, and they even ask God for wisdom, but they don't know who he is. They don't ever confess and say, well, Jesus is my Savior. They don't say anything to the line of like, well, yeah, I know who God is. But yet there, there's a wisdom that they have, and it might be in, in the areas of business, it might be in the areas of family, it might be in the areas of scholastic uh, scholars and things like that. There is a reality that in Scripture here we see an area where God says, if you ask of me for wisdom, I'm going to give it to you no matter where you're at. No matter who you are. But more importantly, as Christians, we have the opportunity to go to Father God, don't we? And to ask for wisdom. In fact, we're encouraged to go. We're encouraged to go straight to the throne room and to ask to let what we have be known to the Lord. We have a great high priest in Jesus who goes before us. But James says this, but let him ask in faith. With no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. One thing I learned early on when I was asking for money from anyone, my, grand, my grandfather specifically, would be is if I went to my grandfather and I asked him for $20 and he would say why, I had better have a reason for asking for $20. I wasn't just going to get 20 bucks for no reason. But if I went to Grandpa and I said, Grandpa, could I have $20? Me and my friends are going to go see a movie. Uh, I need to buy a dinner. I'm thinking I might have popcorn and um, you know maybe, maybe a little bit of extra spending money. He was very generous. He'd pull out that wallet and he'd have, his, he'd have what, what he called mad money. That was the money he hid from my grandmother. Uh, and he'd pull that out of his wallet and he'd slide me off a 20 and say, here you go, Steve. And, and, and why did he do that? Well, number one, he loved me. God loves us, doesn't he? Number two, there was a purpose behind my asking. And I had faith that I was going to get that 20 bucks. I went to him saying, Hey, Grandpa, I know you got 20 bucks, and here's what I'm looking for, and is it okay if I can have it? And it was, it was a great representation for me to recognize now in my Christian walk. I mean, God, I'm not treating God like, you know, Santa Claus, but at the same time, we are to go to the Lord and ask him these things in faith. And so in this area of wisdom, God says, come, ask me. Do it in faith, but don't doubt. Don't doubt. And you better have a plan to use this wisdom, to use these things. He says, or James says, the one who doubts, or the one who doesn't have a plan, or the one who is unsure as to whether or not God can provide wisdom, he's like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. 
Now, if any of you live over on that side of town right now, uh, you know all about what I'm talking about. There has been a hundred and some odd days of rain or precipitation since the beginning of the year. And that has caused some flooding to happen uh, near some homes, near some businesses, on waterways. And water itself does not always do what you want water to do. Water does whatever water does because it follows the path of what's called least resistance. The path of least resistance. Now, water, why does water do that? Well, water does that because it is, it, it is what's called potential energy. That's the type of energy that, that water has, potential energy. And that potential energy can only be harnessed or moved or garnered when there is an outside force pushing on it or causing it to do something. Okay, water will not, if you put it in a glass, it's going to sit in a glass. If you put it in a bowl, it's going to sit in a bowl. If you spray it on your lawn, it's going to go down. Gravity pulls it down. Water is not going to, uh, if you will, flow up the pipe unless there's pressure behind it. Water is not going to come over the lake unless there's a wind blowing it or there's more water coming down so that the floor of the lake can't hold it. Some of you know this, you've got sandbags up right now. But the reality is, is that that water is moved by, by an outside force because it is full of this potential energy. Wisdom is potential energy. Wisdom is given by God in a potential way to share either his goodness or to glorify ourselves. Wisdom is given by God to share who he is or people have used it for the wrong reasons. To glorify themselves. The question is, is that when we go to God and ask for wisdom, he's asking us to go to him in a way that says, I have a plan, I've got a purpose, I'm not going to doubt God, I know you're going to give me this wisdom for this trial, for this situation, because I need to glorify you in it. The wrong way to do it is to go to God and say, God, I'm done, I, I've come to the end of my rope, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I, I'm, I'm just done. Now, we can get to the end of our rope, brothers and sisters. I'm not saying that never happens in our lives. But when we're going to go to God and ask for wisdom, which we're commanded to do according to Scripture here, let's go, let's do it, let's find wisdom. He says, go and do it with a plan and a purpose in mind. Go and do it not doubting that I'll give it to you. Because I know that that's, God's saying, I know that that's potential energy. And I don't want you to use that for your own glory. I don't want you to use that for your own purpose. I want you to use it for my purpose, says the Lord. That's what he's saying here. I want you to use it for my purpose. See, consider this. When Solomon was asked by God, I'll give you anything you want. You're, you're the son of a man who, who, who was a friend of God. I will give you anything you want, Solomon. What do you want? Solomon didn't say, I want wisdom. Now, that's contrary to maybe what some of you were taught in Sunday school because that's what pops into our brains, right? Is that Solomon asked for wisdom. Solomon didn't ask for wisdom, specifically just wisdom. But he asked 
Specifically, give me wisdom so I can judge your people. And God said, that is so right on. I'll give you more than that. When we have a trial and a situation in our life and we need to go to God for wisdom, we've got to come with a plan, with something in mind, saying, God, I need wisdom for such and such a thing. I need wisdom in my finances, God. I need wisdom with my children, God. I need wisdom in, in, in loving my spouse, God. I need wisdom with my boss, God. I need wisdom in this area of my business, God. God says, come to me, but let's have a plan and a purpose for it. I've got a, 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 a steadfastness in this trial and this tribulation that I put you in, says the Lord. And as you move through it, as you're seeking wisdom, as you're seeking an outcome, God says, look for that outcome, but come and ask me about it so that I can provide you that wisdom and share the truth of wisdom with you so that you can be an instrument of who I am in this earth. Verse, verse 7 says this, For the person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. I don't want to be unstable. I don't want to be double-minded. I don't want to uh, put, put my foot halfway in and halfway out. I don't want to live a life that's two-sided or two-faced. I don't want to be one way at work and one way at home and one way at church. I don't want to go to God in a situation where I feel like I really need him and not go to him in a situation where I feel like I, I do need him. I want to be along with God through all of it. James says here that if we will continue in, a, in our life during the trials in a spirit of joy, in a spirit of endurance, in a spirit of steadfastness, that it's going to produce something at the end. It's going to produce a recognition of who God is in our lives. Why? So we can be a representative for him on the earth. And that wisdom that we can gain from God can be a representation of who he is in our lives as well. I know for some of us this morning, these things may have hit you hard. And you may say, Pastor Steve, you don't know the trial that I'm in. You don't know the situation that I'm in right now. I don't, but God does. And God says that there's a reality in our lives that we can have joy in that trial. It's not a natural joy. It's nothing you're going to find because you chose to pull it out from, from, from you know, from your, from your belly. It's not like you're going out, uh, you know, into a war and you're just going to muster up and get it together. This is going to come from the Lord himself. This is going to come from the spirit inside of you, growing and producing it. And so as the worship team comes up right now, we're just going to go into a time where we're going to seek the Lord. Because I really believe that he wants to minister to us this morning. He wants to minister to us to have joy in these trials. And to ask wisdom in these situations. We're not going to be double-minded about it this morning. I know that each one of us, if we're true and honest, we've got some trial in our life. And for some of you, you need a word from the Lord. You need a prophetic utterance from the Lord to keep moving you in a spirit of joy in that trial and in that situation. For some of you, you need to pray for wisdom in those areas of your life that we mentioned. You need to pray for wisdom specifically for some specific things in your life. 
what we're going to do now is we're just going to open up the altars. And I'm going to ask, we have our healing team and our prophetic team. So our healing team, if you're part of the healing team, I'm going to ask you to come stand over here on this side of the altar. If you're part of the prophetic team, you can come and stand on this side of the altar. Deacons, if you're here and you, you feel led in one of these two areas, I'm going to ask you to come up as well. And as we begin to worship, this may be new to you. Maybe you've never been a part of a church service like this. This is going to be an opportunity for, for God to, to minister to you and for you to ask God for wisdom and for a prophetic word for a trial that you're in. Before we, before we kind of open up the altars, I just want to ask, I'm going to be bold about this this morning. Maybe somebody's here who says, you know what, Pastor Steve, I feel like my whole life is a trial. I don't feel like I ever get a day off from a trial. I don't know if God's really there. I've heard about Jesus. Maybe you grew up in, in church. Maybe you went to Sunday school sometime. But say, you know what, Pastor Steve, I need to know Jesus real. I need him to minister to my heart and to my soul. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe with, in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God and that he was dead, buried, and resurrected, that you'll be saved. That salvation is from your sins. We've all sinned. We've all come short of God's purpose and glory in our lives. But we can have a right relationship with him and we can be under his righteousness this morning. Is there anyone here this morning that would say, you know what, Pastor Steve, that's me. I know I'm being bold. I'm asking you to, to kind of be put on the spot. Anybody here that I can pray for regarding that? I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Father, we're just going to pray together as a group right now. Those of you that raised your hands, after service, I'm going to ask that you meet with us in this prayer room up here. If you're bold enough to come up after service and meet with us, we want to share with you what that gospel really means, what the truth of knowing Jesus really means. So, Father, Lord, I pray for the hands that went up this morning, for those people who desire a, a, a life in Christ, a righteous life in Christ, recognizing you as the true Son of God, recognizing you as the one who stands before God that covers their sins though they may be red as scarlet they're white as snow Lord we pray that that be true in their hearts and their minds and their souls Father God in Jesus name that you would that you would work out the salvation within them Father God in Jesus name Father we pray for those this morning as we begin to open up the altars Lord, I pray for those who are going to come that, one, that, that need uh, to pray for wisdom in an area of their life. Lord, that they would come having a desire that they wouldn't be double-minded. Lord, that they would be passionate, fervent for you to give them wisdom in a specific area, that they would have a need for it and, and be pointed in that need, Father God. Lord, we pray for those who are in a trial and a situation who are going to come this morning who need a word from the Lord. They need a quickening word from the Lord in regards to that situation so that they can continue to have that joy that, that creates an endurance that will last through their, through, the, through their faith 
to fulfill that trial that they're in right now so that they can get to the end of it and share the testimony with other believers, Father God. So, Lord, we pray right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, that as we open the altars, Lord, that this be so. As we worship, if you're, if you're in your seats, you can worship with us. You can pray for those that are here this morning. Let's do this as a family. Let's do this together as a family. Father God, Lord, we worship you in it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you need a prophetic word this morning because you're in a trial, you're in a situation, I want you to come over here.